The first reading is from the first letter of Peter and is, can be found on page 229. Blessed be the Lord God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy he has given us new birth and living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that, although perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Christ, Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The Gospel reading can be found on page 112. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. From verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord Jesus. Sorry, saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Shall we pray together? Loving Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit to make the things of Christ come alive. We pray you'd now send us the help of that Spirit, that Jesus Christ, in whom we believe and meet, might be ever more formed in our lives. For his dear name's sake, Amen. The Cambridge historian Richard Rex notes that there are three crises that the church has faced during its lifetime. The first, round about uh, AD 600, focuses on the question, who is God? And you have the complex debates about the Chalcedonian definitions of the Trinity, the ranking order, who really is God? To cut to the chase, Jesus. And then the next question or the next crisis the church faces is not what is God, but what is church? And the whole of Western Europe, particularly in the 1600s at the time of the Reformation, uh, went into paralysis and then split, as we know, into the Protestant and Catholic denominations. What is church? Jesus Christ, to cut to the chase, is the head of the church. And there are big differences between the Roman Catholic and the Protestant church. That is not the question for today. He posits, and this is quite interesting, the current crisis facing the church today, or the Christian faith, is not the question, what is God? Or what is the church? But what is man? Or what is humanity? And he very memorably describes in the alphabet a whole cluster of things that might pertain to this question. What does it mean to be human? Followed through on the alphabet, we've got A, B, C, D, all the way to H. We've got abortion. We've got bisexuality. We've got contraception. We've got divorce. We've got euthanasia. We've got family. We've got gender. 
we've got homosexuality, we've got infertility treatment. I shan't carry on with the rest of the alphabet. They are big questions. Who are we? For all thinking people, and this is our reflection for today, unless our humanity meets with the risen Jesus, that humanity will be less than it could be. Even from the Gospel today, Jesus says to his disciples gathered then, well, you're blessed because you're right there in front of me. Blessed are those who have come to believe in me, even though they're not here. And we, if we've connected with Christ, and there's a big if with that, are truly blessed. And then you've got the blessing not just of Jesus' words, but you've got the blessing of his word. Jesus did many, many, many things in this book, but they've been collected together with particular precision so that when you listen to them, understand them, Christ will somehow be formed in your heart, you'll believe in him, and then wait for it. Here's the most important line. You'll have life in his name. Back to the crisis facing the church. Who are we? You won't have life unless you have Jesus. You will have life if you have Jesus. And so from our gospel reading today, there are to me at least four Jesuses we could meet. They're all completely compelling, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about them. They're all completely invitational, they're all completely for you and I. And each of them needs work day by day. Without them, we're going to be less than we could be. First one, of course, is the patient Christ. We meet him there with Thomas. What a lovely, lovely character. I say what a lovely, lovely character. Of course you could say what a loser of a character. Well, he just didn't get it, did he? All the other disciples had got it. All his best friends who he travelled with for three years said to him, it's okay, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. It's true. Whoa, all that sacrifice, all those questions. We've met him, he's alive. He's not a curmudgeon. He's not a stubborn old fellow. He's just like you and I. I. I really could do with checking this out. I've got some questions unless I meet Jesus for myself. Put my hands in his side and in the nail marks of his hands, I'm not going to believe. And so the gospel carries on that Jesus was patient with Thomas. A quick tip for those of us who are married. Uh, the tip which of course many of us have got, it does pay to listen to your wife. <laughs> so I had the other day, darling, it's always a good start, do make sure at lunchtime you finish up the prawns in the fridge, will you? They're not particularly spectacular ones, they're very small and they're really cheap. But they would have gone off. The trouble was, for breakfast that day, two days previously, I'd already eyed up that there were raspberries in the fridge. Part of my five a day that were going to be landed on the vicar's muesli. 
It's probably too early in the morning. And you can guess where this is going. There's the muesli. Now why on earth did I put the prawns on? <laughs> I think the younger people today would say, Oh, what am I like? The other free tip is it's not a great combination. And they're a right pain to take out one by one to save for the sandwich with mayonnaise. What am I like? What questions have I got? Silly old me. The truth is, it's not just Thomas. It's the whole of humanity. It's you and I who do, in our quieter moments, or sometimes darker moments, and we all have them, I wonder what's going on. How am I going to get by? Where's Jesus for me? This is an aside. Sometimes the people I worry about more are those who are so certain about everything with no problems, no moments. Thomas is there written for us to see, to hear the words of Jesus and to get life in his name, the patient Christ. God is patient with us in order that Christ meets us. It's not that the vicar's going to carry on putting prawns on his muesli. No, he's going to clock this one. When I go in the fridge, I'm going to watch what I'm doing. (laughs) Of course, mistakes are going to happen again. But Christ is patient with you and accepts you as you are that you might meet with him. Secondly, we've got the transformed Christ. This is Jesus, risen from the dead forevermore, and he appears to his disciples and then to Thomas and then by John's words to us. And how do we see this transformed Christ? With scars in his hands, and nail marks in his side. If the transformed Christ in his full redeemed resurrection humanity is there in heaven with scars in his side, behold the Lamb of God reigning forevermore, then the big question for us today is not what is God, what is the church, but who am I? Who you are, are someone with questions that the Lord is patient with. Who you are is someone, wait for it, with scars. Sometimes I have problems with people who think everything is buttoned up. Sometimes I also have problems with people who are completely perfect, within and without. What is humankind? What is man? People who are flawed. People who have got scars. People whom Jesus wants to transform. As the risen Christ is so transformed by God's power, so too will the scars of our lives. Things that people can see. Things that people can't see. God will also transform. That's what it means to believe and have life in his name. To say to Jesus Christ as he stands before you, as he stood before Thomas, I'm not going to let you touch that. I won't let you have any part of that. 
Of course you can do that and say that, but you'll be the lesser human being because you're feeling that. Thomas touched Christ, saw it was real, and whatever scars was going on in his mind and heart at the time, to realize that perhaps this wasn't for me, knelt down with freedom and incredible volition of soul, my Lord and my God. The patient Christ, the one who's patient with you, the transformed Christ, the one who wants to change you, no matter what the struggles or scars, only he can make you come alive. And then you have the unsurpassed Christ. Of course, we will all be doing our due uh, reverence and coronational duties to King Charles. But some of us might well reflect when he says, I'm the defender of faiths. We want to respect and love and value people of other faiths. But the faith of Christians is the faith of Christians in the unique, unsurpassed Godness of Jesus Christ who has come back to life forevermore. So it's not just Thomas who will say, my Lord and my God. It's not just King Charles who will say, my Lord and my God. It's us too who recognize in this Jesus someone completely unsurpassed the only person who can bring us life. He's patient with you. He wants to transform us. He's the only person who deserves our allegiance, my Lord and my God. And this cries to conclude, as I started by saying, is entirely for you. Blessed are you, even though you weren't there, but you believe. All these things are written down that you might have life in his name. Prawns on muesli do not work. Jesus and life does work. Perhaps even sitting here today with the prayers, with the hymns, with the fellowship, there is part of your life, just like there was for Thomas, that still needs to acknowledge that he's your Lord and he's your God. Let me lead you in a prayer. Risen Lord Jesus Christ, crucified Son of God, be to us all you can be, even today. Help us to live and to work for you and for your greater glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.